broadcasting to you high atop of Florida's peninsula at 108 feet. This is... And I'm your host, Alpha Mike. Today's episode number 93, we are going to discuss something that is tactically sound, something that can safeguard you if you pay attention to your opponent's hands. Hands kill, and we are going to discuss that in length today. We're going to talk about positioning, subject hands, subject's hands positioning, foot movement, and some statistics. But of course, before we get into that, you're probably wondering, well, how in the world can I get in contact with these folks? Well, you just go to RaiderCopNation.com. We pop right up. You scroll down to the bottom. And as you scroll down to the bottom, you see our icons. And the social network icons will pop up, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and everything else that's down there. And you can network with us. We've also uh, integrated an Instagram page for the Raider Cop Nation podcast. And that's our handle, Raider Cop Podcast. And you can find us there. As well as we are also on a new platform just took over this June of uh, this year, and that's called Pillar. And you can find us there at um, Raider Cop Nation, Raider Cop Nation, all one word. And we will have links to all that plus more on our show notes here today. Well, no more hiccups. Let's go right into the programming, and we're going to start off, like always, with our leadership quote of the week. It's fine to celebrate success, but it is more important to heed the lessons of failure. Bill Gates, co-founder of Microsoft. And in law enforcement, the name of the game is never have a failure because a failure could cost you your life. So you've got to be on your toes. There's no there's no way and no, no doubt about it. So today we're celebrating most importantly, the train-up sessions or format of uh, the Raider Cop Nation. Important, sometimes uh, for active uh, law enforcement folks, they need to get back to the basics. Sometimes for our wannabe uh, civilians that listen, they need to know what officers do on a daily basis and some of the things that they need to really concentrate on. And one of those things is the importance of the hand. The hands are the most crucial aspect of law enforcement, and they can really, really hurt somebody. And this is one of the reasons that you see officers, when they come upon a subject, how and why they approach them. So we're going to discuss that. As also, this is uh, the 26th of June of 2019, episode number 93. We're talking about hands and how they can kill we are part of the training format or train up format on today's show. This is at the end of the month. So right after our celebration of the 4th of July, we will we'll take a look here uh, real quick at the calendar. And uh, the 4th of the 3rd of July is uh, 
is our day, you know, that we uplift. So I will probably do another program uh, by myself. And then uh, from the 10th of July onward, we're going to start introducing back our great superhero co-hosts that they help us out. Little little time off from them, a little less pressure. And, um, you know, kids getting out of school, other activities that they, they're doing. Some are planning for weddings. Some are uh, getting promoted and dealing with that and business ventures and so forth, bid changing, a lot of a lot of things happening in, in the uh, superhero co-host world. So we sit back and we do some solo things. Um, we also, I know on our website we have um, the, let me get the right title for it. I think it's the five minute, five minute Friday. And the five minute Friday, uh, we're still working on it. Uh, I think we announced that for summer, and I'm taking yes, coming summer 2019 on YouTube. We're still trying to do it. And of course, summer brings all kinds of headaches, and one of them is rain, and a lot of it, especially down here in Florida. So we've, at least we've noticed that there's a lot of hiccups uh, when it comes to the rain and any timely uh, photo shoots. So we might push back this uh, a little bit further. But we will have a couple of uh, small little five minutes. That's all it is, folks. Five minutes on Friday. We will load something up, start introducing our audience to the YouTube page. Now, our YouTube page has been there for quite a while. And it has all our, our uh, podcast on it. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you can go back to the original one, number one. Uh, but don't quote me on that. I'd have to. I'd have to check to see if that's um, if that's valid or, or not. You know, the technology changes, and uh, I don't. I don't do very well with those technology switching. Uh, you know, updates. So. I do know that you can go there and you will see a lot of our updates. I'm right now trying to bring up the channel and take a look at it. And it uh, tells me 91, 90, 89. Yeah, they're all there. They're all the podcasts are there, all the shows. And the farthest I can go back is to number 49. 49. So that was nine months ago. So at least you can see number from 49 on. You can hear um, our podcast. So and probably in the month of uh, July, we will start introducing the 5-Minute Friday segment on YouTube, introducing you, kind of chit-chatting about what's coming and uh, some of the um, tactical approaches that we're going to be having on 5-Minute Friday will uh, probably come in when this rainy weather levels out here in Florida. So just stay tuned for that. So we didn't expect uh, that that type of hiccup, but nevertheless, it, it comes. All right, I've bored you enough with uh, enough jammering, and now it's time to get to the main event, talk about the meat and potatoes. <laughs>
gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the main event. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. You definitely don't want to be in the position that you are the digger. There you are with the shovel. So surviving the event is most important. Hands are a critical portion to that survival. Not necessarily your hands. They should be trained and you should know what to do with your hands. But your opponent's hands, which you have, you, you have absolutely no information and you probably have no intelligence of what talents that individual might have with their hands. Now, you've noticed that police officers, when they get close to a subject, they basically tell them, take your hands out of your pocket or let me see your hands. Of course, we always need to. Be careful. So paying attention to your opponent's hands is very important. Now, you went to th through training. You went to the academy you most likely went to some type of uh, yearly or quarterly's updates for your police certificate or law enforcement certificate. And some of those trainings may include some type of defensive tactic. Now, a lot of times when you say defensive tactics, people expect, well, no, you know, we weren't rolling around on the ground. It could just be simply showing you a different tactic or showing you a consistent tactic that you should be practicing, hopefully, during your off time as well. And that could be like weapons retention and so forth. Very important. Now, here's the problem. Since we only practice this once every blue moon, every four years, let's say, if we're active, we, we forget and we don't remember certain things. So we have to make, and it is so important to make your training secondary in the old cranium. It should happen automatically. I remember when I went through Firearms Academy, we used to uh, do obstructions of the firearm, stovepipe and so forth like that, and you'd go through your drill of clearing your weapon uh, of the round and sometimes pulling out the magazine and reinserting a new magazine. And we do hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of these repetitions. And as a student, you start to say, this makes no sense. We've done this a gazillion times. I'm sweating my rear end out here in this outdoor range. And then it happens. A student of yours, as you're the instructor standing behind them, has a stovepipe. They're looking and examining at it as they're slowly turning the muzzle towards the person on their left side or pointing it right directly behind where you're standing. You bolt into action, you grab the weapon out of their hand, and you, you clear the obstruction and hand it right back to them. And then you say to yourself, oh, that's why I did that. So practice, practice, practice makes perfect. Now, one important ingredient that you can do as the student is ask questions. Just don't do the maneuver 
for the sake of doing the maneuvering. If you don't understand why you're doing something, raise your hand, either one, left or right. I remember at the range, we used to say, safe, clear, and empty. And with your non-shooting hand, lift up your hand and signify that you are clear. And people used to raise their shooting hand. And we say, well, it doesn't matter. Same thing. You can't shoot anyway. So here we are. You don't want to make sure that you understand the instructions very clearly from the instructor on what you are doing. Now, one of the reasons that you want to follow those instructions to the best of your ability, practicing, even looking at maybe a memorandum that's out there or a policy in the department about that specific maneuvering is because if there's a failure, it can cost big time and you'd have to explain yourself to your agency and guess what your agency's going to tell you. What we've got here is failure to communicate. So communication is our number one priority in any type of training session, and that includes here today as well. Now, officer approaches subject, whether in the jail setting, whether it is in the street. There's a reason why the officer is there. Something strange that they saw, something that might have uh, committed a crime, something might have Somebody might have committed a crime or they were called and dispatched there about a concern. So the officer is going to get in his FY stance, getting prepared in case anything happens. That means that the officer now has their hands positioned that they can strike. Now, they don't look like a boxer. You know, they're not doing that. It's just their hands open to their side. That's all. At the ready, ready to go whether it's take out your taser, whether it's pull out your gun, whether it's go for a tactical baton, whether it's using your hand. Now, now that we're talking about that, let's look at something that's just a little bit more old-fashioned. Take it easy. We're not making a Western here. And that is a question that I used to ask in all the use of force classes that I used to teach. What is the primary method of force that an officer uses? What is the primary tool that he or she should use first, if applicable? Tick, tick, tock, tick, tick, you know, like Jeopardy. And most of the times people would say something crazy. My, uh, my uh, OC spray? No. My tactical baton, my taser, my taser, that's it. No, it's your hands, hands. Hands are the primary method of force that an officer uses to either stop the subject from what they're about to do or doing or redirecting the subject in the direction that the officer wants them to go. So in other words, if I tell you move to the left and the subject's going to the right, instead of me taking out the taser and shooting you, zap, down you go, I just grab you and put you in the position I want to go. I'm starting to execute that force. Now, of course, force is, the definition basically is, unwanted physical force that the, that the subject now is refusing. Okay? So if I tell you to move over there and you don't know exactly where over there is and I kind of shove you in that direction, but there's no complaint, then that's complied that, okay, you don't, you didn't understand the officer put you in the direction. You're fine with it. But now if you kind of 
shrug your shoulders a little bit, you know, you start doing the shuffle like you're ready to go round one, then that shows resistance, and therefore the subject is about to resist. The subject's movement is paramount in all this. So let's start tippy-toeing real slow into a scenario. You were called to a specific spot with a description of a specific person based on an unusual occurrence. That's what we'll say. Once you get there, you know that you're dealing with something out of the ordinary, so you're in your FY stance. The officers got their hands in front of them, mostly about midsection, right underneath the, um, the, the breastplate, and they usually have their hands there. Now, of course, some of this body camera crap now, I never had that in my career, but the camera's like center mass now. So what you see on a lot of these videos is the officers in FY position, the hands in front of the camera. You get to see his fingers. But I get no thinking from management when they order the camera. Oh, that's. A, but why would you? If you're in an administrative position for the last 20 years and you, you don't even know what a subject looks like. <laughs> Just order that. That's fine. Okay, back to the subject. So you're standing there in your ready position, and all of a sudden, the guy puts his hands in his pocket. And you say, hey, get your hands out of your pocket. Now, right now, you're ready to go to the next level. If the subject resists, no, why do I have to take my hands out of your pocket? You're ready, buddy. It's click, click now. So a couple of things should be happening in the officer's mindset. If you're out in the street, you're a service weapon, and some of them have the two and three retention holds on them. You might want to pull down whatever hood you have to pull down so you have faster access to your weapon, okay, in case what the subject pulls out is another weapon. So all of a sudden we are doing a Western, and first one that shoots wins. Or it could be a knife, or it could be just a cell phone, or it could be nothing. But you're at that ready. Your hands are in midsection, okay, ready to go. And you're watching the person's body movement. <clears throat> now, what's important is, is the person directly in front of you or at an angle. Now, you want it, you should want the person directly in front of you with their toes pointing towards you directly. Well, what the hell does the toes have to do? I thought we were talking about hands. Well, let me explain. Next time you see a boxing match, look at the boxer's feet. When they go to deliver a punch, their feet move before the punch. The reason for that is because they have to get uh, strength to deliver the punch. In Japanese, and I, I was a, a student of Japan Karate Association where I attained the level of black belt, and that's called kirikai, that you move, you reposition your foot, your angled foot or the foot leading to the front towards the back so your hips start to rotate in that position, in that movement, okay? So you can sock the person better. So foot movement is another area we have to look at. So we're looking at the subject's hands, and we're looking at their foot position or feet position. You know, you're not going to deliver a punch standard, standing with your 
toes pointing straight ahead without angling your feet in any way. It's going to be a funny punch, okay? And it's not going to have a lot of strength behind it. Like if you can angle one foot about maybe 45 degrees front in front of the other one and you can swing the hips in there like a baseball player or a golf player, all right? So you want to pay attention to that. Now, one of the things that people love to do and it's what I used to call when I was teaching use of force is the ability to have a romantic interview interview with you in the middle of this a law enforcement session. And what a lot of unexperienced officers will do is they'll start to gaze at the subject's eyes. Loves you, baby. So looking at the subject's eyes is not going to do you any good. You're not on a date. You've got to have that vision aspect, wide angle, from his hands and his foot positioning. So you've got to be standing at some distance from the subject so you can evaluate that. Gazing at their eyes and all that is not going to do you anything, okay? That was in the schoolyard when you were in fifth grade. Today, you're, you're going to do things a little bit differently. So gazing at them will prevent you from making a huge mistake and making sure people don't talk about you for years to come. Then you almost drown in three inches of water. All right, so moving right along here. So our next thing that we're starting to do now is we're not gazing. We're looking at, you know, the entire configuration of the body from the midsection on down. You know, you, you're, you're paying attention to your surroundings. You're ready to go for deadly force if you have to. That means pulling at your firearm. Now, there's a lot of reasons you might go for your firearm. We understand that. Whether the subject has a knife, whether the subject um, has a gun, whether the subject has any other type of weapon, you could go for your gun. But usually you have something on your utility belt that's going to be a little bit different. Okay? It could be a tactical baton. It could be OC spray. It could be a taser. Now, a lot of police officers, they like to go towards the secondary weapon faster than the primary. What the hell did he just say? A lot of police officers like to go for the secondary weapon than the primary. They'll go for the OC spray, the tactical baton, or the taser. Okay? Instead of the primary, which is, remember we spoke about it, kids. I don't want to bore you, but remember... We're technically not on a break here, so you should have been paying attention. You were gone a long time. How many white castles did you have? I didn't, I swear. I can smell them. The primary is your hands. So you're going to be ready for using your hands in this encounter also. So we know, quick review, not gazing at each other's eyes like in the moonlight of the night. Being in a position that you have within arm's reach of the subject and you can scan from chest level down to midsection of the subject, including his foot positioning. If you've got a subject that has ants in his pants back and forth, tell him, stand still, okay? Kind of tell him what you are. Now, of course, they can act out, but you have to be ready for that event as well. Now, officers 
have one detail about the way they were trained. And that is when a subject becomes resistant and the officer has decided to take the subject into custody, they will go ahead and place them in a position where they can handcuff them. Now, usually the element of surprise is better than saying telegraphing as you pull out, you open up your handcuff case, start pulling out the handcuffs with your support hand, then making the absolutely unnecessary speech of turn around, you're under arrest. Sometimes the element of surprise is a lot better. So in that case, you don't have to say what you're going to do. Did that happen? You got to ask permission to apply your trade? Now, usually officers that are dealing with a little bit of a difficult case or better known as a knucklehead, that person will be taken down to the ground. That is the primary handcuff position that they were shown in training, even in the academy level. So you have different positions of handcuffing, of course, standing up, hands behind, but it depends the dynamics of the subject on how you're going to handcuff them. So if it's grandma and you stopped her at a traffic accident, at a traffic stop, and she, you got to place her into custody, and you say, turn around, and she already knows what's coming, she turns around, you don't have to throw grandma to the ground. But if you got a wise ass and all of a sudden he knows what's coming, or you go to go ahead and grab his arm or his hands to put him behind his back, and you feel that tug go in the opposite direction, like, uh-uh, I'm out of here. I don't need this. Ain't nobody got time for that. And then you should be ready to apply the technique that they taught you in your department via the academy or your in-service training on a takedown procedure. Now, once the subject goes down to the ground, plop, we've got to try to get him in a position where they take their hands out from underneath their chest area, let's say. Statistics will tell you that this is the most vulnerable aspect of an officer's arrest when they lose sight of the subject's hands and they're in the ground position. They can pull out, they can suddenly turn and pull anything out and the officer will not see it coming. So it's critical that the officer immediately gain control of the subject, even, they're in, even though they're in the down position, and getting them to comply to put those arms to their side so they can get cuffed. As long as they have their hands pinned to their chest or midsection, they are a huge threat to law enforcement. A lot of famous incidents have occurred as a result of subject's hands not being seen, and next thing you know, gun, 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 and people are shooting. Uh, cops are shooting. So this has to be done as fast as possible. Some agencies might teach some type of neck or head restraint procedure, and I know we frown upon that, especially the lawyers from the ACLU. They don't like that. But it's all depending on the dynamics of who you have on the ground. You might have somebody that knows how to tussle pretty good. So you're at a disadvantage. Remember, as an officer, you don't know who you're tussling with. You didn't get a intelligence report of who this guy is. So your job is to get them 
to get those hands out. So sometimes you might see a strike. They strike the subject or they apply a pressure point behind the ear or at the neck area to try to get them to comply to take their hands out, which are pinned towards their midsection or chest. Most vulnerable part of an officer. Now, another mistake that a lot of officers make, especially in jail settings, and that is the polyester pileup. Now, everybody knows when I taught, I used to talk about the polyester pileup, which that is, of course, your uniform and your uniform pants have a lot of polyester in them. And what happens is one guy jumps on the subject and all of a sudden it's like football. Two, three, four, seven, eight, twelve. You got all these people piled up and the poor cop that first landed on the guy is pinned with about 9,000 pounds on top of him. So the less pile up, the better. Instead of piling up, grabbing a limb, right leg, left leg, you know, and and then having that subject on top trying to trying to get his hands out from underneath him, one on each side. So when they finally get one out, instead of one guy pulling and tussling with that left or right arm, we've got two guys uh, tussling with that right and left arm. Always being vigilant that there might be a weapon present. So the tactic of once you bring a, sur- a subject down is sometimes not a pretty one. Sometimes subjects go down very hard. One of the things that um, I did very well during my career is uh, when I was a student of Japan Karate Association with my Sensei Saito and uh, Japan Karate Association of Miami. He taught what I I assumed I knew a takedown procedure. And uh, one day, you know, we were a group of officers and we used to go to the dojo at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. We were all on afternoons. And Sensei would teach us specifically almost by ourselves. There was no, I mean, you were allowed to come into the course, but a lot of people came in the afternoon after work and, and whatever, uh, whatnot. But we had that 12 o'clock session. So se- that doesn't exist anymore, I, I don't believe. But Sensei would give us a lot of uh, techniques that we could use, ground techniques and so forth, complying techniques that would help us. So he proceeded to demonstrate the sweep. And Sensei has a huge bunch, huge bungeons. I mean, this guy could sweep an elephant. And I noticed the sweeping motion, the hip motion, how you had to do it, practiced it a couple times at the dojo. So this is pretty good stuff. Well, of course, as an eager learning student, I could not wait to apply my trade and the first opportunity I had, they were gone, swept them. And um, remember uh, my old partner, uh, Romeo November, told me once we had we had a, a, an issue that we were responding to, the guy uh, fooling around had uh, pulled a sprinkler system. So there's water all over the place. And he was, you know, not all there. You know, he was a couple of sandwiches short of a picnic. And um, as soon as we grabbed him, he was all wet. I knew this was going to be a freaking tussle that I didn't want to have. So I went in to yesterday's dojo class, and I went for the sweep. 
And this guy, legs up in the air, bam, down. Wrestled him back up. And Romeo November trying to deliver some pure love to the guy as he goes to winds up and ready to deliver that smack and love. I sweep the guy to the ground again. And again, we reposition, try to get him up. We're skirming, you know, we're, we're back and forth. And Romeo November says, I'm going to get him one more time. And I swept for the last time. Boom, down he went again. So we handcuffed him. We're walking away with him. And my partner says, geez, I couldn't get one in, bro. Sometimes you can take the elevator. Sometimes you got to take the stairs. That's how it is. So I learned the sweep today at uh, my retirement age. I am suffering tremendously with those knees because I made, that was my signature move, the sweep. And I'm paying for it today. But nevertheless, I am glad that it was shown to me. So your takedown may not be as pretty as you might think. Wait a minute, Alpha, you might be talking about something that you were not shown in the academy. That would not be true. We were fortunate enough to have a blessed defensive tactics instructor at our academy when I went through 30 years ago. He taught us how to punch, kick, sweep, and deliver elbows and everything else on a a body bag and we practice on each other and he said you'll 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 notice one day in your career that these are the most valuable classes you've ever taken because they're going to protect you and of course when you walk into a court and swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth did you ever learn a technique such as the one you performed the answer would be yes and there you have it. You're saved. So the importance of the subject's hands. Officers, a lot of them are not wired the same. Some go into immediately panic mode as soon as there's resistance. Some go into pucker mode. They start backing up instead of going forward. And some of them are on full throttle. They go from zero to 100 in two blinks of an eye. You've got to find the right position or the right uh, speed to get into that. Quickly take the subject out of the fight and secure them. Becomes much more difficult as there are many more subjects in one particular incident. And training is what answers the call to that. Sergeants have an important role to play or supervisors, they could be corporals too, have a very important position and that they need to have their squad really learn how to work together in fistfights. That's a part of, of law enforcement is using force. That is the necessary reason they've pinned a badge on you so you can execute force as you need to. So with that being said, there you have it, folks. You're allowed to use force. So we'll take a second so the, the uh, left can have a meltdown. Okay, so executing force, the closer the subject, blading, all those things we're going to talk about in the future. 
how to block properly. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that you learn today, I learned 30 years ago, Japan Karate. Why? Because I said, well, I'm going to go to the source. I'm not going to learn karate from a guy from wherever. We'll leave it at that. Because I'm going to go straight to the source. Okay? If I want to know how they build Mercedes-Benz, I'm going to go to Germany. I'm not going to go to Indiana. So I went to the source. And it, to me, it was, and I, I did this on the, the segment we talked about, everybody was kung fu fighting. You can look that up. I believe there's three episodes on that. It was, to me, the best martial art at the time. I learned a lot. I learned a lot from my sensei in the decade that I was there that he really showed us ground fighting as well, okay, that are part of all techniques in karate. People think, that, you know, the purpose or, or the premise of karate is to, to kill with one blow. But the reality is the guy's going to shoot back at you and you're going to have to counter and recounter. But when you go down the ground, there's a, a lot of striking points that you can hit as well. So I learned all those things. But today, I, there's no doubt to me and that most fights and a large percentage of those are going to roll around on the ground. And the best, probably the best martial arts that you can have as a law enforcement officer today is Gracie Jiu-Jitsu because you're going to submit the person with a hold. Simple as that until help comes. And there you don't have to use physical force. So that is probably, and we spoke about that in those uh, episodes that I, I spoke about. I'll link them to the show notes. You're probably going to um, have your agency uh, give you a, a good little uh, love hug because you went to Gracie Jiu-Jitsu because they can defend it better in court. So it works for them. We have been speaking about hands, the importance of hands and saving human life. Watching the person's hands is crucial, is critical for your survival. Knowing that that threat could happen at any time, you have to be at a position where you can see the subject from midsection down to waist section looking at their hands and their feet positioning. Remember, when they're about to attack you, they've got to move their feet in that position or get leverage in order to do the attack. It's so important for you to be at the ready. Of course, deadly force is met with deadly force. Your primary tool, though, of use of force and law enforcement is your hands. All other issues on your belt are secondary tools. Don't go, don't be a secondary when you can be a primary. But you got to know how to use the primary and never, ever use the primary when you should have used the secondary. As always, it is my honor and my pleasure to be your host on Raider Cop Nation. I ask that you continue in prayer for yourself, which is so important, for your family, for your community, and of course, for the agency that serves you. And most importantly, continue to pray for the great United States of America. This is Alpha Mike, signing out. And guide her through the night 
with a light from above From the mountains to the prairies To the oceans white with foam God bless America My home Thirteen twenty-two. 